Welcome to the Where Wild Grows podcast. I am Marie, mother of two, nature lover, and passionate learner. In this podcast, we'll journey from disconnection to discovery, from feeling lost to finding the way back to ourselves. We'll explore new ways to come back into our bodies, embrace our emotions, and navigate our inner landscapes. If you're healing from trauma, struggling with anxiety, or simply seeking to thrive, you're in the right place. Let's walk this path together and unearth the healing, growth, and wildness that's waiting to flourish within all of us. Now, let's dive into our next episode. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am very excited to share this conversation with you. I have a dear friend, Stephanie Trazka, um, and I can't wait to kind of unearth what's inside her mind on um, embodiment, which is something I've been talking about a lot on Instagram lately, and I can't wait to dive into more and then see where it kind of leads us. If you're not familiar with Stephanie, she is a life and embodiment coach. She also has a podcast, um, Little Scraps of Magic podcast, which we just finished recording an episode. And so you'll have to go over. I'll put it in the show notes and listen to that one. And um, her focus is really on spirituality, energetics, essence, intuition. She leads circle groups. She does coaching um, retreats, which look amazing. And she's a mother of two boys around the same age as my boys and two dogs. And um, Stephanie, I'd love for you to kind of say hello and if there's anything I left out. Oh, I think you gave my whole life story in that little bio. Isn't it hard? <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you, Marie, so much for having me. It is such an honor. I always love the conversations that you have and your thoughts and the way that you share them. So to be featured on your platform just feels really wonderful. It's an honor, isn't it? <laughs> honor, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you nailed it. You know, I think as far as my background and my career and what I do, I do feel like it's always changing. You know, I know you checked in with me before we hit record and like it's life and embodiment coach, right? And I'm like, yeah, it is. But I've been thinking, should I say intuitive life coach and spiritual mentor? Or, you know, there's so many things that I love to have my hands in. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all ready to talk about embodiment. So I can just dive in. I don't know if you have any specific yes, questions. Please. Go yeah. for it. Okay, great. So for me, embodiment is the expression of everything that you want to be. It is exuding all the things that you wish to see in the world. It is also not holding fear around the things that you don't wish to see in the world all the time, right? So where we can feel anger and grief and sorrow and rage, you might not want to see that in the world, but there is a time to embody those feelings. Embodiment practices use the body as a tool for healing through self-awareness, through mindfulness, through connection, through self-regulation, finding balance, things like that. It's living life through experience being in the body. Something you said really stood out to me. So you were talking about um, that these things that we don't want to see in the world exist too, and that embodiment can be a form of 
feeling those and accepting those, you know, maybe not accepting in a, oh, fine, you know, we'll let this happen or whatever, mm-hmm. but, but not, um, not pushing those feelings down and not being resistant to it. Yeah. Um, and I wondered what your take on uh, resistance in embodiment is. Do you ever feel resistant when you try to come into your body? Yeah, I do. I still do. These parts of ourselves that we've been conditioned to keep hidden, that we we don't think are appropriate to share with the world, right? Anger, rage, disapproval of something. Like we we don't always feel comfortable to disagree. And so even when I go into a space where I am going to be in an embodiment practice and I can tap, you know, explain about more of those later on in the show, but I'm going to use dance as an example right now. So if I'm looking to tap into intuitive dance as a way to express myself, I can still feel, I feel like almost almost every time I settle into practice dance, even if I'm alone and no one is watching me, I go in with the intention of let your body speak. Move your body in the ways that your body desires to move. What are you craving? What do you want to do? And even in giving myself that prompt, most of the time, I feel a little frozen at first. And I'm like, why well, just kind of start moving the way that I think you're supposed to dance? Like, you know, the way that we usually rock back and forth and shake and do something with the movement and pop that butt out a little bit and arch your back. And, you know, and it takes me a beat. It takes me a little time to be like, oh, okay, no, my body wants to hang like a rag doll right now. Or I want to do some shaking really fast with my legs, or I want to crawl on the floor like a crab, or I want to roll around on the floor, you know? Um, And so always that resistance comes up of, oh, you shouldn't do that. Oh, that doesn't look so good. Oh, that's a little strange. Oh, you're going to get this dirty or get dog fur on that. You know, all the the little reasons that come in of why we shouldn't do something. Um, And then the more permission and space permission and space are the words. The more permission and space I give myself to explore, the more I can tap into that desire and the more I move past the resistance and fully away from it. And I lead women in ecstatic dance and intuitive dance. Often you mentioned I do retreats and women's circles. And so that's a practice that I love to bring into the space um, that I hold. And when you mentioned the resistance and I shared my experience of it, and I'm always blown away by the women that I do share that practice with of for so many of them, it's their first time stepping into something like that and being around other people. And while I invite us to close our eyes to begin the practice, because I think that helps us to feel our bodies more, um, a lot of women do keep their eyes open and they really I'm amazed by the lack of resistance I see in them, it's like they've all been waiting for this permission wow. and this space to express themselves and to explore what embodiment means to them and what it looks like and what it feels like. I have to say that I think you hit on something that I know in my own journey that I've discovered is when I first started. Um, kind of dabbling in embodiment and especially embodied movement and letting your body move how it wants to. Um, I think we we have so many 
built or uh, structures built up around us in how you're supposed to move. You know, there's standards for dance, there's standards for um, stretching or, you know, and while those can be beautiful tools, um, especially if you're trying to accomplish a specific goal, it's not helpful to bring those into an intuitive embodied experience. And so I found for myself too, that when you step into that for the first time, it does, it feels like this permission slip of like that you've been waiting for. Um, I was going to ask you if, um, oh goodness, I just lost my question. <laughs> Maybe this is what happens when we record podcasts back to back, like back to back. <laughs> right. Um, oh, I was going to go. I was going to go uh, back a little bit to um, how your body wants to move and and kind of what we talked about in your podcast a little bit. Uh, you mentioned that having the space to do that alone can be really useful too, especially when you're first starting out. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, in terms of my own experience in creating that space for myself. Yes, or how others yes. Might. And just how coming together in a group and doing that and experiencing that can be magical. But if you don't have that or you don't have people around you that are accepting of that, that there can be something to be said for carving out that private space for yourself too and and being able to fully open up alone, but also uncomfortable, I know, doing that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Sometimes we really do need that safe space where we are exploring a new modality or a new part of ourselves in private. I did mention earlier on that I, when I was going through my spiritual awakening and beginning this, this embodiment work and these practices that I did share with my husband, I need you to kind of look the other way on this. I am proud of what I'm doing and I can guarantee you, you are going to have an even more amazing life after this because I'm going to be happier. I'm going to be sexier. I'm going to be wilder. I'm going to be freer. Like I felt everything that was coming for me or that I was meant to embody and meant to have. But I absolutely needed for these new practices to be just my own, for me to be able to explore them on my own. And so that meant um, closing my door, you know, and, and, um, noise canceling headphones for certain music, um, moving in such a way that I, you know, at first, it's like I wasn't maybe fully embodied in my movements because it was like, oh, if they hear this or my family hears that and they're going to think this. Um, <laughs> so I was a little more light footed in the ways that I would move around. Um, but that really gave me so much permission to I became comfortable. I, st I slowly but surely became comfortable with this new version of me to the point where then when I was ready to share her, I was proud of who she was. Um, and I will say, too, while it's, you know, if you don't have access to community um, or even if you do, but you feel a little scared to tap into it, having that alone time and space is so vitally important. And so even if you don't have a room in your house, it's like, do you have a bike? Do you have a car? Can you walk somewhere where it's yes. a little more private, right? Like you can create sacred space anywhere. It does not have to be a room in your home. And on the other side of this, I want to mention too, the importance of community. So for me, it, it was seeing these practices in other women first, right? In, in them. them validated. Yes, exactly. Like, oh my God, I didn't even know this is something that I wanted or needed. But as soon as I was near that energy and I witnessed someone else, gosh, like just 
so to me, it felt vulnerable. Like, wow, how can she just share herself like that in front of all these people? But that's what I kind of needed. Um, so I don't know that I know you are really tremendous at, you know, uh, like researching and looking things up and learning. And I I do that. But it seems like the initiator for me is seeing it in another woman first. And it is women for me. Yeah. And feeling that energy and then being like, oh, my gosh, this is what I've been looking for. This is this is what I need right now. And then I can take it into my home and practice it, you know, on my own. But um, that's the other thing I really would encourage anyone to do who is seeking to expand and grow is, yes, it's amazing to be able to do things in your own space. And sometimes that's the only way. But also think about pushing your edge. Think about finding community or finding a person that's an expander for you and that is going to help you, nudge you forward and feeling a little bit more, if not comfortable, then curious about exploring another facet. I love that. And I have to I have to drop in here, Stephanie, that I think this is why it is so important that when we connect, I I try to really put out there in everything I share that it's not just about connecting with ourselves, but also connecting and finding ways to share that with the world around us because we can be such incredible inspiration and catalysts for other people. And you were absolutely that for me. I mean, when we met, we were going through so many different things that were so similar. Um, you know, go over to Stephanie's podcast and listen to that. We covered that on hers on that episode. But, um, you know, postpartum depression and just like really unraveling and finding ourselves and seeing you so openly share that really helped me connect with myself and really let me feel like that was okay. So thank you for that. And I joined um, your first circle, uh, the circle that you that you held, an online group. Um, all revolving around the phases of the moon and, you know, going through these phases ourselves. And this was shortly after my second was born and I was going through such a rough period. And seeing that permission, yeah, having that permission put out there, saying that this is a safe space and you can do that here was was incredible. Yeah, yeah, I remember that first circle. And I created that before I even knew what a women's circle was exactly. I was more enamored with the idea. I had read the book Do Less by Kate Northrup. And I was really enamored with this idea of like life as a circle, moving through it in a cyclical fashion because we are living in a patriarchal society and it's ruled by the masculine and it's ruled by the linear. And so we always think of things as this point A and point B journey. You start here and you travel up and it's an upwards trajectory. And so when I was introduced to this concept of cyclical living, following your menstrual cycle, following the moon cycles, following the seasons, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to share this with everyone. And so I started that virtual program, The Circle. It was 28 days and we talked about all the concepts that I just kind of muttered about. And through that, then I began to grow my awareness of, oh, there are also these things called women's circles and it's this sacred way of gathering. And women's circles can differ, right? Some of them can be really magical and witchy and some are much more like, here's our topic. We're going to explore your inner, you know, working with your inner critic or something like that. But it is at its core, women gathering in solidarity, witnessing each other 
in their truth and in full acceptance of that. Um, so I just remember that. And that was a big part of the beginning of my journey. Um, and I'm so just happy to be reminded that it helped others, right? That Absolutely. it was inspiration for your healing and your growth as well. And I wanted to add on to that um, kind of a, a segue into talking about cycles and talking about this cyclical nature, especially for us as women. We can find that embodiment can look different depending on the cycle that you're in. I know I follow my, you know, hormonal cycle, my menstrual cycle, all of that really closely. And there are certain points where it looks like a practice of more negative feelings, you know, we would call negative feelings and emotions, sadness, anger, you know, bitterness, whatever. And then other times it feels positive and uplifting. And I think that that can be a really powerful tool to connecting to all the phases of ourselves. And um, add on here just part of this, and then I want to hear what you have to say also that I think that people see embodiment as it's only a positive, happy thing. You know, yoga and mindfulness and all that, it, those are wonderful things, but they can kind of give the image that they're only for good times. But I think embodiment can be especially important in the hard times. And the more shadow dark side of our experience needs embodiment sometimes even more than that happy side. Oh, yeah, so true. This reminds me of another embodiment practice, actually, that is completely related to our shadows and our darker spaces. So may I share that? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so I mentioned intuitive dance as, you know, one way that we can process our emotions and feel into our souls and our spirits and ourselves more deeply. Another practice um, that I love to participate in and that I love to lead others in is I call it sacred rage. Uh, you could call it sacred relief. Oh, yes. I love this. Please talk about this. Yes. So I'm going to backpedal. Well, yeah, I'm going to backpedal too. Uh, this idea for me started during the pandemic. Um, during COVID times when we were locked down and there was some meme out there that was like some lady created an event on Facebook that simply is titled women running around in a field screaming. So far, you know, three million people have replied yes. I was going to say I'll sign up. <laughs> and I saw that and I was like, Oh my God, like I need that. Yes, yes. And I know it was a joke, but to me, when I read that, I was like, my soul needs yes, that. Please. Yep. Yes. And so fast forward, you know, a couple years later, and I was on my way to facilitate, co-facilitate at a my friend's it's called Camp Climb. It's kind of a retreat, kind of a summer camp combo. <laughs> um, but it's always healing and um, emotional and women are there for growth. And actually on the drive there, I know I was, um, it might have been the year before I facilitated. I, yeah, the year before I facilitated, I remember leaving you many messages. That's when you and I started kind of blossoming in our friendship, right, sharing our truth of the postpartum depression. And I was on my way. Um, so a year later, you know, I had done a lot of the healing work and I was back on my way to Camp Climb as a co-facilitator. And what I was bringing to the women was called a sacred rage ceremony. And so 
we were at on this private farm in Iowa, 40 acres of land. And I gathered the women. It was nighttime. It was dark. And I was waiting in this circle that had been mowed. Like they had these uh, paths mowed, you know, walking paths mowed through tall grass. So then the grass was shorter and there was this trail and it led to this beautiful big circle. And I had walked the grounds my first night there. And I was like, this is where the sacred rage ceremony is happening. And so I went and I sat and I waited there and I had twinkle lights and a few things, you know, so that people could kind of see the space. It was it was raining a little bit, so I couldn't have a fire or anything. It wouldn't have lit. And I instructed all the women to walk down silently holding a flashlight or twinkle lights, something to light their way. And so it was this beautiful, I had music playing and I just saw them walking from far away, carrying these lights, all getting ready, ready to gather. And we circled up and I first let us in, you know, we talked through all of our feelings and the full range of emotions that we carry and how we should be in full acceptance of those. But again, we are conditioned not to be, we're conditioned to repress them and keep them to ourselves and carry shame and guilt around them. So we talked more about that. And then we all got up and I started inviting people to just kind of yell into the circle, like, what are some things that piss you off? Just the little things, you know, like somebody didn't put their turn signal on and they did this and that made me mad or, you know, just anything that irritates you. And so women are yelling into the circle and everyone's just clapping and hooting and hollering and, you know, celebrating her, speaking her truth and just being loud and taking up that space that, again, we are just not promoted. <laughs> um, and then as we got deeper and deeper into it, I was like, okay, so we're getting mad. You're feeling that anger. You're getting your body to that level of distress, right? And and that's the goal. We want to get to a certain level of distress so that we can work in allyship with it to release it, to allow it to move through our bodies. So everyone's heightened. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to ask you to do next. Take all of that anger, all that frustration, all that sadness. Remember the years that you were locked down in your house and you didn't have women around you, you didn't have people around you, you carried everything, right? And just scream and run and cry and pound, you know, pound your fists into the earth and pull the grass out and bite it with your teeth. Like just go primal and animal. And so I, you know, being the, a good leader, of course, had to display first, this is what we do. And so I just went running around like insane out in the dark, just screaming and then threw my body on the ground and oh, beat at the hard, cold earth, wet earth until my fists were raw and panting, like got up and looked and all the women were just like, their mouths are open, their eyes are wide, but it was not with disgust or repulsion or fear. It was like, I can do that. Witnessing a permission slip. Yep. And then I put on a song and I had a playlist going and they just went at it. And women are screaming things into the into the stars, you know, having conversations like screaming conversations with someone who's not really there right and just processing all of these things that we have just been taught to keep quiet and of course once that was all through I brought it down with a nice grounding meditation <laughs> to you know give the practice <laughs> not leave them hanging or not 
Yeah, but everybody said after that practice and and after that weekend that it was such a lesson in seeing all the parts of themselves as being beautiful because they're like, when I saw you or when I saw this woman and that woman screaming and wailing and crying and, and beating things on the ground, like to me, it was the most stunning thing I'd ever seen. It was oh, the most stunning yes. thing to be a part of. And then I realized it's beautiful in me too. It's not something I have to be scared of or that I have to hide. I have to say, you know, that really makes me think, you know, when we're going through our hardest things, and I know this this last year has been really hard for me, you know, becoming a solo mom and and navigating that. So often those are the times when people come to us and they say, I'm just so, I admire you so much. You are so strong. You are so, you know, all of these things. And it isn't it interesting how from the external, it's such a like an empowering, beautiful thing to witness. And on, on the internal, we're telling ourselves, this is bad. I have to hide it. I have to repress it. You know, all of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, that's where, again, circling back to earlier on in our conversation, like I said, if it's the only choice is for you to do things solo, then do it, right? Don't let that steer you away from doing it. But there is something just wildly powerful about community and about the permission it can give us and the mirror that is held back for us to see ourselves in another light. Yes. Yeah, we can't see when we're there by ourselves. Right. And and we're not fulfilling our full purpose in community if we're not allowing others to see that in us too. You know, if if you, you know, even in this last year, I've had so many people reach out to me who have been going through things similar, um, you know, becoming sole parents or whatever it is. And if I kept completely quiet on that and said, Dude, this is too private, this is too vulnerable, it's not okay to talk about these emotions, put on a happy face, I wouldn't be doing justice to them and their experience because we're mirrors for each other. You know, we need to be those mirrors for each other. That's part of how you know, we've evolved as human beings. That's part of how our our brains work. They need to see on the outside. Yeah, so true. So true. I wanted to um, to ask you, I'd love for you to share some embodiment practices as well. But before we do, I, I wanted to kind of kind of lead it back into that and say, you know, is there, have there been any profound shifts in yourself anything that because I feel like for me embodiment is not just about I mean there's there's a little bit more of the practical of listening to our bodies you know whether that's body scans or meditation or whatever and seeing what our bodies are telling us Um, but have you ever found because I I know I definitely have when you're practicing embodiment that it's a it's this kind of gateway that other things come up that aren't about you know, maybe this moment or, you know, your physical body as it is right now. Do you feel it's a gateway to other parts of yourself and your experience, your past, you know, your your traumas, anything kind of lingering underneath and, you know, kind of going back to resistance? Is that hard for you? Because I know for myself, I can find myself resisting, even sitting down doing it because somewhere in my mind, I know stuff's going to bubble up, you know, stuff is going to come to the surface. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the beauty of um, embodiment practices and somatic healing or somatic therapy. So like that physical release and processing of whatever the body is holding is we 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 try to make everything so cerebral and memorize this and understand that and comprehend this and connect the dots here. And we don't always need to do that, right? Sometimes just get right. an outlet yes. for whatever. So our body literally holds on to everything. I have not completed this book yet I because I read like 30 books at a time and it takes me years to finish <laughs> me many too. of them. But the book, The Body Keeps Score, is if anyone is interested in learning more about somatic healing and embodiment, um, I mean, that book definitely details how your body stores trauma. It stores all of these experiences. And so anything that you haven't processed, anything that you haven't let go of in your life, your body holds onto. Sometimes that is the root of physical pain. We think it's from an injury that was physical, and it's not. It's literally right. from an emotional scar or wound. And sometimes those can come from previous lives. If you're someone that relates to that or, or believes in that the way that I do, that it's generational trauma or past life, like that you are still your DNA, your cells are holding on to something that you didn't even live through in this life. Yeah. So yes, absolutely, <laughs> embodiment practices will bring other things to the surface. I even remember I was doing an intuitive dance one night by myself, and I what was coming up for me was a lover that I have not had for a long time, like this person, and it felt like unfinished business. And so in my practice, I was bringing that person to mind. And moving through the emotions that, you know, hadn't come to a close. And there, they were not emotions that I'd thought of or felt or held on to for a very long time. But in moving my body that night, whew, it came up and I let myself move through it. You know, it was like, oh, my gosh, what a beautiful opportunity beautiful. for me to be with this memory and to process it and move it out in a way that is really healthy and that is really um, pure. It's your body. It is yes. literally your body just letting go and saying, okay, like, yeah, we can. Yes. I, I love that so much because I think I know a lot of embodiment stuff out there and a lot of on the surface, if you don't dive into it, you're not reading a lot about it, you know, and you just come across it. It seems so surface level. It seems it's all about stress or, you know, and it, it can be useful for that. Absolutely. I initially started mindfulness as a practice over 10 years ago and just mindfulness meditation just to help stay with the present because I was going through a depression. And it's helped me so much in my life managing, you know, anxiety or stress. But we really we'd be doing the entire practice a disservice if we just left it at that because it's so much deeper. And that's why I thought this would be such a great thing to talk about is because embodiment is not just about being in your physical body and, you know, feeling if you're hungry or, you know, whatever, if your clothes are too tight and if you've got extra stress from your job or something like that, like embodiment can bring up these things, even like you said, past traumas, generational traumas, all of these things that you don't even realize you're carrying around with you heavy things and moving them out through your body, through your voice, through your tears, whatever it is, is such a beautiful and powerful way to move through them. Yeah, absolutely. 
I wonder if you, you don't have to go into tons of detail if, if you don't want, um, but if you have any favorite embodiment practices, you know, I know we've obviously touched on some here. Um, anything you would recommend for people just learning about this who aren't familiar with embodiment and maybe have been living numb and disconnected from their bodies for a long time, what you would suggest? Yeah. Um, so I'll give us a couple of specifics that have credibility <laughs> and history, but I also want to start by saying, listen to your body. And if there is yes. something, yes. yeah, if there's something that you feel and it might seem strange or what, what is like, why would I do that? Or that's, I've never heard of that before. It doesn't really matter, right? Like your body sometimes has it. Your body is very wise and your body knows what needs to be done. And so if you are able to hear your body and not everyone can. And so I want to say that too. If you're like, what is she talking sure. about? My body's talking to me. Like, yeah, if you're disassociated from your body, like I was a couple of years ago, you may not be able to hear it at all. And that's okay too. But if you are someone who's in a place of you do have some relationship with your intuition, you do have some body awareness and connection, that it's like just kind of listening to your body. Um, maybe you, you're not a runner, but for whatever reason, you feel like your body just wants to like breathe fast and hard until you can taste blood in your lungs. You know, that feeling of like, ah, oh, you've been running fast. Like get yourself out to a field or a track and just run. And yeah, don't think about you being sore the next day. And don't think you need to be a runner now and you need to start jogging or doing half marathons. Think of it as your body's way of releasing what needs to be let go of. So, you know, going to the gym too, that was, I started work, I stopped working out after getting pregnant with my first. So, you know, years ago, five, more than five years ago. And last January, my body, as I was learning about somatic healing and different embodiment practices, I also was experiencing, like, I still have like some like competitive vibes. You know, I wasn't quite anger and rage, but a little bit it was. It was like I just wanted to be pushed to my limit and just feel that exhaustion in the body. But first, that drive and that strength in the body. And so I knew I probably wouldn't fully push myself if I did something by myself. So I, I signed up for a class, you know, and um, and I would take myself there as much as I could and just utilize it as a tool for somatic expression, just like being alive in my body. And so that's what I want to start by saying is just listening to your body and feeling what is needed. And and rest is an embodiment practice. Laying like yes. a slug yes. and doing nothing, that's an embodiment practice. For me, I was just sharing this on my Instagram the other day, um, and I shared it in a women's circle as well, but lipstick is a spiritual practice for me. Yes, share this. I loved this so much. So the story is my mom lost her mom when she was 34. So my mom was 12 and her mom was 34 when she died. And she died pretty quickly of leukemia. Her name was Margaret, my grandma Margaret. So obviously I never met her. Um, I turned 34. It might have been 33 going on 34, but it was right around that, like right turning 34. And I started wearing lipstick all the time, two colors, like a deep, bold, bright red, and then an orangey red. And I would kiss, you know, kiss, kiss prints on my hand, my kids' hands, leaving kiss marks on papers, just kiss marks all over the house and wearing this lipstick every day. As soon as I got up, no other makeup on my face, just lipstick. And I'd never been a lipstick wearer before. And so after like several months, my mom 
said to me, you know, I never shared this with you, but your grandma Margaret, you know, my mom, she always used to wear lipstick and she wore the same two shades that you started wearing when you turned 34. (laughs) Chills. And she would leave kiss marks all over the place. And it was just so evident to us both when she shared that, that it was like, my grandma was with me, you know, that it's like, it's yeah, not even it. me putting on that lipstick. It's like her choosing the color and being like, here, you know, and and to me, even before knowing that, I would feel like well, when I put on this lipstick, I feel brighter. I feel more vibrant. I feel more alive. And that's one of my mottos. And it always has been is why wait? Why wait for the things that we want to feel like? Why wait to wear the fancy dress? Why wait to go on the great trip. Like I get, we have to save money and there's certain cases where that's the reason we have to do it. But there are so many little ways that we can live more fully and boldly. And so for me, lipstick was one of those ways. And it feels like if I feel brighter, then I'm brightening other people too, you know? And, um, and now when I apply my lipstick, knowing full well that it's like grandma Margaret is, is with me, I feel like as I'm just carefully applying it and looking in the mirror, it is just this beautiful act of love and intention in my day. And it does allow me to embody my highest self more. So even though it's not like necessarily movement based, it still feels very much like me putting down my foot of this is the woman that I want to be and this is how I want to live and express myself. And you're embodying not only your yourself but opening that up for for what's in your dna for for your ancestors for your grandmother allowing all of that all that depth behind it to come forth and you can't help but feel like you're walking lighter and higher when you're doing that when you're connecting that deeply down into the depths of yourself absolutely and it's this reminder too of like i get to live these years that my grandmother didn't you know, Absolutely, and so yeah. the lipstick is that reminder. Like every time I look in the mirror, every time my kids ask me to, now they want to wear it all the time. My boys want to put on, especially Everett, my little one. I love it. <laughs> um, but it is that reminder of like, you get to be here right now. You get to live this life right now. And you're living years that your grandmother didn't get to have. And I feel like that helps me to not take things for granted and to express myself fully, to be an embodied woman, not to hold back on the things that I want in life or how I want to present myself and the changes that I want to make in the world, you know? Um, yeah. So I don't know. The couple of other practices, though, that I, I would love to share would be, um, and they're all related to somatic healing. And so they're ones that have helped me deeply. Um, Reiki, and that's energy work. So there's this universal um, energy and life force all around us at all times and you're able to and channel you're trained in in that right I am I'm just trained in level one right now so I could only like support people in person I'm not able to virtually do sessions at this okay. point I mean you know and there's always this feeling of certain people like you're here intuitively in this world you have these gifts you've been here before and I know there are energy workers out there that you don't have to have a training you can do it right I don't I actually don't feel like I'm one of them at this point in terms of Reiki healing. Um, That's one where I feel like I need more focus, time and energy and devotion. But I just mentioned that because I think there are a lot of us in this world who have gifts and abilities. And we think, well, if I don't have the elite certification and training, then I'm not that. 
And that's just fucking not true. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. I, I, have, I don't know if you're of an explicit pun. Yeah. Um, so, good. you know, and there are, there are, of course, jobs and careers in the world where you do need to have a very specific training. <laughs> um, but, you know, there are certain things, too, where we have these gifts. And I just encourage you, if you feel like you have a propensity towards something or a gift in something, to explore it. And to utilize it and tap into it, you know, even if it's something that you haven't been trained in. Um, but Reiki really saved my life in many ways. I was able to move through a lot of energetic blocks. That was my first introduction, I think, into the spiritual world and into embodiment practices and somatics. Since then, I've also, um, I love to do breath work. So if like, in your communities or even online, um, looking for breathwork events. And there are different kinds. One is called holotropic. I think that's how you say it, holotropic breathwork. And that's where you breathe in such an intense way with a practitioner that you really go on a natural high. It's kind of like it feels trippy. Um, I'm not a person that's done drugs or anything, but that's just how it's described. Like a hyperventilating kind of state, right? Yes. Yes. And you kind of feel like, yes, you can touch into past lives or you feel like you're in another dimension. Um, and usually it ends up with people screaming and crying and having these wow. visions. It's really, I mean, you can process years of trauma in one breathwork session, this holotropic or shamanic breathwork. There's other breathwork practices. I'm becoming certified as a breath coach, but in the diaphragmatic breathing. So regulating your nervous system, using your full lung capacity. Um, and so, you know, that's another beautiful way, though, to get more deeply into your body and connected with yourself. And then tapping is another one of my favorites. It's also known as EFT or emotional freedom technique. And it's basically, um, it's based off of Chinese acupressure. Um, you know, there's these meridian points in our bodies. And so it's tapping on those while saying certain statements. And if you're in a session with the facilitator, they'll walk you through the whole thing. And I am certified in that. So that's something that I, I was going to say. And you're certified in that as well. I am. And I do yeah. offer that virtually, actually, if you end up putting in your show notes, um, I can send a link Absolutely. for my booking for that. Um, and yeah, you would kind of come with the thing you're distressed about. And the practitioner will talk to you and ask you a lot of specific questions about what you're feeling and maybe where you might feel it in your body, if there's a color associated with it different narratives that run through your mind about this stressful situation or experience. And again, like I mentioned, um, when I was doing the sacred rage or sacred release ceremony, where I asked the women, like, bring up those feelings, get get that level of distress in your body so you can work with it to release it. You do the same thing in EFT. So you you bring up this level of distress in the person. And then you also are going to talk through the, the desired outcome. How do you want to feel around this situation? And, you know, what would that look like? What would that feel like? How, you know, how would that sound? And getting, again, very specific. And then the practitioner creates, it's almost like mantras um, and statements that move you from that place of distress. So affirming and like really saying like, yeah, I am feeling angry and it is really heavy and this is really scary. And I I second guess myself and, you know, just really getting comfortable saying those things. And then when you move through that some and you get some calm and you get some release, then it's moving into all of the affirmative statements and those can kind of become your mantras moving out. But that is one of my all time favorites. And 
there are some ways you can Beautiful. do it on your own too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I, I've had a little bit of experience with that. I had a, uh, my therapist that I saw for years before she left her practice, we kind of delved into that a little bit. And um, I also did uh, EMDR therapy for my post-traumatic stress, um, stress disorder, PTSD, uh, which is really similar um, kind of realm. And, and it's, it is, it's powerful. It's moving and moving those things through your body and and meeting them with mantras or, you know, expressions of what we want to see change is really powerful. So thank you. And before we go, where can people find you, learn more about what you offer and what you do? Yeah, thank you. Um, so my website is littlescrapsofmagic.com, spelled as you would think. Um, my Instagram handle, that's where I spend most of my time at the time of this recording, because I've been thinking, should I change it? At the time of this recording, it's Steph, S-T-E-P-H dot Traska, T-R-Z-A-S-K-A. Um, and that's really where I live, those two places. I, you can email me anytime at Stephanie at littlescrapsofmagic.com. I do reply to messages. I carry on conversations there. Same in the DMs. And I will share with Marie, um, a link for booking EFT because again, at the time of this yes. recording, depends when you're listening to it, but I got my certification recently and so I'm running specials. So I'm pricing it right now at $77 for an hour and you can use a code RELEASE in all caps for $57 for an hour. Um, and I've had nothing but just- and how long is that pricing. code running? I don't know. Okay. No, so no, so just jump on it. Give it a try. When you hear, <laughs> I would say it's probably so. This will be I don't, coming out pretty soon. So Okay. So, you know, if you're listening to this sometime in October of 2023, I would say, you know, you could probably book that into November and then likely it'll change or maybe I'll keep the code, but my prices will go up. So the discount will stand, Got but it. yeah, it won't be the same $57, but Great. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful afternoon of chatting and and go. I will put in the show notes the link to Stephanie's podcast and the episode that we did together whenever that is up and all of her links. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you guys for joining us. And I hope you guys all have a great week. Thanks so much for listening today. If you found this conversation helpful, be sure to subscribe to Where Wild Grows so that you never miss an episode. And also leave me a review. I'd love to hear what you think and it helps others find the podcast too. For daily inspiration and a look behind the scenes at my own life, follow me on Instagram at where.wild.grows. And if you're looking for deeply personalized guidance to take the next step in your life, whether that's getting out of survival mode, tuning into yourself, or finding ways to be present in your life, I'd love to support you. Reach out anytime at wherewildgrows.com. Until next time, be sure to step outside, take some deep breaths, and do something today that lights you up. Have a great day, friends.